God is so good, isn't he? I'm just, I'm here thinking what a privilege it is for all of us to be here together, that God loves us so much that he lets us come and learn together. Because everything that is shared, everything that is spoken, I drink it in and, and I learn and I grow and I learn to cultivate. We were just sharing this morning how the older you get and the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> and so the older I get, the more I realize I need to be teachable. I don't ever want to sit and think, I know that. I know that. That's for everyone else, <laughs> you know. That's for you. That's for you. That's not for me. God always wants us to be open and to listen and to receive what is shared. Even if he wants it just to share with the next person. As Dr. Dave was sharing, take this to your church. Take this to your people and share with them. We learn so that we can teach others. And what a blessing for us to come together from other nations and to bless one another and to learn from each other. God is investing so much in us so that we can make a difference in this world. That is an honor. That's a privilege that he would take just a simple little human being out of the billions of people in this world and say, I'm putting something in you to be used for my kingdom. <clears throat> he has so much for us to do. I want to share with you this morning, just quickly, I won't take much time, I promise. Out of Genesis chapter 18, Everyone take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 18. I want to share with you, in my opinion, the most amazing intercessory prayer that I have ever seen or read in the scripture. And we know that Abraham <clears throat> was called righteous because he had faith in God. He believed God, and it was counted unto him for right standing, a right relationship with God. And I want us to see in this prayer of intercession that, he, that this word is given to us to challenge us how we can be intercessors, how we can come to God and say, I want to be used to make a difference in the lives of other people. This is an amazing prayer, Genesis 18, starting with verse 18. Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. This is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. Then the Lord said, 
the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense and their sin is extremely serious. I will go down to see if what they have done justifies the cry that has come up to me. If not, I will find out. The men turned from there and went toward Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Abraham stepped forward and said, Will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? This is Abraham standing before God, talking to him. What if there are 50 righteous people in that city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people who are in it? This is man talking to God. You could not possibly do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. <clears throat> you could not possibly do that. Won't the judge of all the earth do what is just? And God answered him, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham didn't stop there. He says, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, even though I am dust and ashes, suppose the 50 righteous lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? God replied to him, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Then Abraham spoke to him again, suppose 40 are found there. Then he said, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak for, further. What if 30, only 30 are found there? God answers, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Then he said, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, suppose 20 are found there. God replies, I will not destroy it on account of 20. Then he said, let the Lord not be angry, and I will speak one more time. Suppose 10 are found there. God answers, I will not destroy it on account of 10. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he departed, and Abraham returned to his place. <clears throat> this is amazing to me that Abraham would intercede, that he would speak face to face with God and intercede for a nation, a city, a place that everyone knew was a wicked city. Everyone knew that judgment should come upon the city. When I think of this prayer that Abraham prayed, I can only think of one word that describes it. It's a big English word that I never use, but it's the only way I can really describe it as an audacious prayer. And audacious means bold and big and full of faith and full of power and way beyond the boundaries. Because he started with the question, what if there are 50 righteous there? 
And then he just kept asking him. He got bolder and bolder and bolder. Well, God, what if, what if there's just a handful of righteous people there? Will you still destroy this, this city if there are only a handful? How many of us have that audacious faith in us that would rise up to intercede even for the wicked? Now, we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah in the end. The righteous were taken out, but the city was destroyed because of their evil. I want to read one, um, if I can find where I marked it, Ezekiel. I want to just read this quickly that describes some sin of Sodom that we don't always think about. In Ezekiel... 16, it says, Now this was the iniquity of Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, plenty of food, and comfortable security, but didn't support, <clears throat> didn't support the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me, so I removed them when I saw this. So, a different description is given of Sodom in Ezekiel 16 that we typically think of. We think of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah as the perversion of, of sin, and that was very, very true. But Ezekiel describes some of their sin in different ways that brought judgment upon them. Pride caused her to put herself above others and neglect the needs of the poor. She had plenty of food. She had abundance. Materialism got in the way and caused the people of Sodom to turn away from God and to go their wicked ways. And comfortable security. And so they became selfish and self-centered and self-supporting and so materialistic that they did not even care about the poor and needy and it was okay with them. They would turn their back on the poor and needy. They would turn their back on those that had less than and it was okay and fine with them. And yes, it says they did detestable things, but look at the things that God judged as well as the perversion of those in Sodom and Gomorrah. So it's so easy to look at a wicked nation or a wicked city, a wicked people, and pronounce judgment over them. It's very easy to say, get them, God. Take them out. Judge them. Do away with them. But I am challenged to take on the audacious faith of Abraham and say, God, can you please spare them? Can you do something to bring them out? Are there any righteous that can make a difference in this city? I don't know if you have what we, you consider a sin city in um, Ghana, but we have certain cities in America that we call sin city that would be compared maybe to Sodom and Gomorrah. And usually Christians say, I won't go there because all they do there is gamble or 
practice perversion. And so we basically pronounce rejection and judgment upon these people because a city is people. But I believe that God wants to challenge us to take on this audacious intercessory love and mercy that Abraham said to God. Are there any righteous in this city? Will you please think about it, God? Will you give them another chance? Will you do something to save these people instead of total destruction? Have compassion on them. Several days ago, I met an amazing pastor from Pakistan. I don't know much about Pakistan, but I know it's part of India now. And so when I met this pastor from Pakistan, I went and introduced myself and told him that my husband was born in India to missionary parents and he had such a love for India, and I knew that the cultures were very, very much in common. They, the people look similar. Their expressions, their complexion, their culture is very similar. And so I just had a, I just felt drawn to him as a, a precious brother in the Lord. And I shared with him the work that my in-laws did in India. And it was just such a, a beautiful fellowship with him. And he began to share his life in Pakistan. And he said, most Americans are especially are afraid of Pakistan. They don't want to have anything to do with Pakistan because it's 98% Muslim, less than 2% Christian, and there's obviously very, very much persecution. Constant uh, murders of Christians, constant, uh, when I say persecution, I mean unto death. And he said, I have a wife and four daughters, and I constantly have to protect them and intercede for them and keep them close to me. Because in Pakistan, the the Muslims take young girls as wives, as young as nine, and it is a very, very difficult life to live there. But he said something that, that really touched my heart. He said, I want to live in Pakistan and I want to die in Pakistan. He has the audacious faith of God to try to make a difference in his nation. And he knows more than not, more likely than not, that he will give his life in Pakistan as a believer because he's the minority. There are very, very few. But he shared a testimony with us that gave us hope and faith that God can use us just like he did Abraham to save a handful out of Sodom, just a, a mere handful. He said he met a Muslim imam, holy man there in Pakistan, and he walked up to him with a book that was wrapped in cloth. And he said, in Pakistan, they take the Quran and they, they wrap it in cloth because it's their holy book. It can't get soiled or dirty or, you know, 
they have to protect it. And he walked up to him, and the pastor is thinking, oh no, he's going to try to force me to, to believe in this Quran, and if I say no, I won't, ooh, I'm in trouble. And so he's thinking, oh no, God, what do I do? The man takes, he's an imam, he's a, a Muslim holy man. He takes the cloth off of the book and it's a holy Bible. And the pastor's going, what? You have a Bible? And he said, yes. I, I was a Muslim and Jesus came to me in a, a dream. I didn't know there was a Jesus. I didn't know who Jesus was and he appeared to me. And I'm a believer now. I'm a Christian. And I am using the Bible to go into the mosques and to share Jesus. How audacious can you get? And he also said, in the Quran, Jesus is mentioned, I think he said 67 times, the name of Jesus. And Muhammad is mentioned three times. Whoa, so he can even use the Quran to preach Jesus. Now, sure, he has to be creative, right? How audacious can a person be <laughs> to say, Jesus spoke to me, came to me in a dream. I did not know he existed. Now I can go into the mosque. He's risking his life to share Jesus with the Muslims. I want to challenge each one of us to pray those challenging, audacious prayers for our nations. Just as these Nigerian brothers, I know you pray audacious prayers for your people. Do you not for your nation? Some places, some people we go to may seem fearful and scary and impossible. You may go to some places and think, am I going to come out alive? But I challenge you to go before God and say, are there any righteous here? Will you spare these people? What can I do to make a difference in this nation? We have been praying audacious prayers with and for Miss Lauren here as she goes back into Haiti because it's impossible in the natural the, the conditions spiritually and physically and materially are impossible in the natural. But we serve a supernatural God. So we're believing with her. And I challenge all of you in Ghana, those from Nigeria, those from America, wherever. I'm from the country of Texas. I challenge each and every one of us to join with Sister Lauren, and pray audacious prayers of intercession for Haiti to see it turned around for God. Just meeting this pastor from Pakistan so encouraged my faith because we can look at a country like that that seems so impossible. It looks like a Sodom. See, 98% Muslims, that's where the Taliban comes from. That's where the terrorists come from. So we avoid those places. But what if we were to come to God and say, God, is there anyone there 
that is righteous or can I believe you to reveal yourself to someone there just as this Muslim imam was revealed the truth. Wow, what a challenge. What a, what a beautiful promises we've been given to walk in these challenges, to believe God. As, as Brother Dave said, faith is just believing God, is taking action, is doing something that we can't do in the natural. What I want us to do this week is to find someone that you can pray with for them. We've talked about serving and ministering to one another, preferring one another. It's easy to, to sit in our own little seat and say, what can I do for me and my family and my country and my church? What can you do for me? <clears throat> I challenge you to go to someone else. Nigerians go to Ghanaians. Say, how can I pray for you and your church and your people? Americans will go to others. You can even come to us. How can I pray for your city, for your people? Be sure to definitely go to Lauren. How can I intercede for Haiti? How can I see God do miraculous, amazing things in a nation that is destroyed in the natural, that has no hope in the natural? We see God do amazing and beautiful things because of prayer, because of what we do, because of the challenges we take upon, because of the faith we walk in, we can see God do great and mighty things. Will you take that challenge upon you? Abraham was just a man. He, he was just a man. He wasn't an angel. He wasn't deity. He wasn't special. He just gave himself to God and said, use me and let me do special things for you. And so God used him mightily, but he was a created man like the rest of us. He was just one person that made such a huge difference in the economy of God because of his attitude, because of his love, because of his willingness. I challenge you to read this entire uh, account of Abraham interceding for Sodom and for his family and to see how God had mercy and yet the unrepentant ones were judged. What does that tell me? I need to get busier with intercession. I need to get busier to make a difference in places so that they will have more of an opportunity. There are some people that I don't feel like I can necessarily reach or talk to for various reasons. So I pray for them God, send them someone that they will listen to. Send them someone that they can make a difference in their lives. Or if it's totally a closed relationship or closed country, 
Send them a dream. Send them a vision. Send them something that will speak to their hearts and reach down and make a difference and reveal to them the truth. The time is short. Jesus is coming soon. Our time is very, very short, and there are many, many people to reach. We can't reach very many individually going from place to place, but we can reach multitudes by prayer, by intercession, and by joining with one another to reach the world. So I want to challenge us to do that today. I want us to commit to pray audacious, bold prayers of intercession. God did not get mad at Abraham when he said, can I ask you one more time? Can I ask you one more time? Can I ask you one more time? And he just kept asking. He kept asking. And I believe God looked at him and, and said, this is a man of faith. This is a man of boldness. And God expects us to come to him with boldness and faith as we seek his face whether it's for our needs or for the salvation of souls, for the salvation of the world. He's counting on us to do it. He's counting on humans to do it. Before Jesus returns, he wants us to share the gospel throughout the world. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand and pray. Please accept this challenge with me. And as we pray, just tell the Lord, I will be that person of intercession. Whatever you lay upon my heart, whatever country, whatever nation, whatever people that you drop into my heart, Lord, I choose to be a person of intercession. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us this challenge, that we would accept this challenge, that you would use us just who we are, where we are, just in our own little place, that you would use us, Lord, to be intercessors for nations. Lord, when you give us information such as Pakistan, Lord, now we, we know we, we are informed of the needs of Pakistan. We are informed of the, the challenges of Haiti. We are informed of the needs of Ghana and Nigeria and so many other nations. So, Lord, I pray that you would use us not just to, to pack this away, but to use it to remind us how we can make a difference in these nations by interceding, by coming to you and saying, God, will you please spare these people? Will you please spare these nations? Will you please do a miracle in Haiti? Will you please do a miracle, many mighty miracles through these men in Nigeria? Will you use us wherever we step our foot, just as you brought Dave to, to Ghana and he thinks, I am home. Lord, you are using him as he comes here to make a difference in the nation of Ghana. Lord, we just give ourselves to you, Lord, to be servants of you, to be used of you, to be 
to walk through the open doors that you give for us, Lord, to ask for open doors, to ask to pray for open doors, to pray for the boldness to walk through those doors and to talk to those people and to intercede for those people, to lay hands on those people, to say, I agree with you for your family. I agree with you for your nation. I agree with you with, for whatever needs that you have in your life. God, change us and challenge us, Lord, to be used mightily of you, to make a difference in this nation, to make a difference in this continent, to make a difference in this world, because you sent us here, Lord. Oh, just as you challenged us yesterday for such a time as this, Lord, you have sent us here to be challenged of you. Lord, give us the faith of Abraham so that we can come to you and say, I believe for my nation. I believe for these people. I believe. I believe, God, for you to do great and mighty miracles. Thank you, Lord, for investing in us, for calling us, for em empowering us, emboldening us to do great and mighty things for you. We receive this challenge, Lord. We receive it, and by your power, by your wisdom and knowledge and ability, we say yes. We say yes, we will do this for you, O oh Lord. We don't necessarily have to go anywhere, but we can, we can pray. We can intercede. We can, we can make a difference in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you and bless someone around you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Just appreciate Grandma Pam for such a... Amen.